Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Martine, and good afternoon to our audience. Welcome to another episode of the EDSO Policy Podcast. I'm Anita Janelli, Policy Officer at EDSO and your host for today. I'm pleased to welcome Martine Gourier, Director of Digital Usage at EDF and Board Member at GaiaX, an initiative that we will talk about in more detail later on. But first of all, um, welcome, Martine. Nice to have you on board. Yeah, welcome, welcome, and thank you, Anita. Together with Martine, today we want to discuss the topic of energy data spaces. In the context of energy data spaces, it's helpful to start or to go back to October 18th last year, when the European Commission launched a digital action plan which aims at developing digital energy infrastructure and digital energy services, and well, in the end, an efficient and competitive energy market. A very central aspect of this action plan is represented by the concept of energy data spaces, because the exchange of data is crucial for the emerging energy data services I was just mentioning. And also, they will help suppliers and energy service providers to innovate and cope with an increasing share of renewables that is planned to be integrated into the energy system. Yes, that means that uh, also DSOs have to take data and digitalization into consideration. One has simply to understand that if we don't fully digitalize the energy sector, there will be no green energy transition and certainly no EU data strategy. The future of the energy system is relying on decentralized generation more and more, but it is also bringing a lot of new market players onto the scene. Let us just flag prosumers and flexumers here. And this will require more complex planning and operational measures for DSOs. This is exactly where data-driven energy spaces are expected to help to manage this complexity. We can put it also differently and say this is a revolution of the way that market participants and the general setup of the energy system are interacting. And by having greater data access on a common European platform, will then boost the decarbonization process in the EU, it will create new market opportunities for information services and business. It will give the needed confidence, trust to investors, support research, and allow customers to benefit from new products and services. So many benefits. There is already legislation in place illustrating EU leadership in developing and building a strong and regulated data economy just to mention the Data Governance Act and the Data Act, and also, of course, initiatives such as GaiaX. So let's get to GaiaX. You have gathered representatives from all segments of the energy value chain across Europe and already created a solid framework. I think it was back in July 2022 that you, together with other colleagues, published a chapter on this very topic of energy data spaces. But first, Martin, could you explain a bit more in detail what GaiaX is actually about? Yes, thank you for that introduction. So I will 
try to give you a few words on that point. So first on GaiaX, so it is a, an European association for cloud and, and data, quite new because it has started only in 2020, but it has now more than 350 members all over Europe, large companies, but also SME, academics, technology suppliers. The objective is to build a digital governance that can be applied to any existing cloud technology stack to obtain transparency, controllability, portability, and interoperability across data and services. KX is not a market operator, nor will it operate directly or exclusively any of the services required by the governance. So this is quite an important point. It's really not a market operator. It's only a European association, and it will provide a technical framework to follow. As association, what have you done in the field of energy so far? So within GAIAX, there are different fields, for example, transport, agriculture, health, and I am leading the field of energy. So as we all know, and also as you explained, data innovation offers promising perspectives for the European economy as a whole, and we think that data innovation has a huge potential, and we have defined use cases all along the electricity value chain, generation, transmission and distribution, retail and customer services. In 2022, as you mentioned, no, not in 2022, sorry, in 2020, we wrote uh, with many other companies a white paper saying what use cases could be developed. And then the European Commission launched in 2020 also a call which her name was How to Build an Energy Data Space. Three projects that claimed mm -hmm. to be compliant with GaiaX were selected. The names of the project are OmegaX, Enershare, and DataCellar. A fourth project named EDI has also been recently launched. So we have now four projects, four European projects, which claim to be compliant with GaiaX. I would say every week, new companies are willing to work with us. So for the time being, we have more than 86 companies, academic, energy suppliers, uh, DSO and so on, technology suppliers that are gathered to build such use cases and that are willing to follow GAIAX rules and compliance. Yeah, how many uh, companies did you say? 96 companies. 96. So what are the next steps? So the next stage is to build data spaces to enhance data sharing at sectoral level. And uh, this will uh, require cross-border common data knowledge representations, semantic data models, data collection, and data sharing capabilities. And this will be a big work, huh? a really big work. But I strongly believe that in this field, we will contribute to the emergence of innovative services and the transition to decarbonized energy system. An exciting ride ahead. So my next question as well, this whole topic of digitalization relies on data. And when we talk about energy data in our case, this is really sensitive. So how can it be ensured that data is shared in a way that is compatible with the GDPR and Europe's strong privacy framework? 
Yes, you are right. It is really a key point, and we need to define a clear framework for data sharing. This means that we have to set the rules for a trusted cloud infrastructure on which energy data spaces will be built. So we have worked and we need to work again on three pillars. So the first pillar is to be sure that we have a high level of cyber security. And so you know that this is really key in the current geopolitical context. The first pillar is cyber security. Second pillar is to implement a strong degree of control over the level of dependency. This means that we have to work on transparency and portability because we don't want that companies are locked with one supplier if they, if they decide sorry, mm-hmm. to contract with the, this supplier. On the third point, we need to guarantee what we call immunity to non-European laws. So that means that we need to protect our personal data, but also non-personal data. So we have really these three pillars. And we have several initiatives at EU level that go to the right direction in this uh, point on uh, cyber security, interoperability, transparency, immunity to extraterritorial laws. We have uh, all this uh, regulation. We have the EU cyber strategy. We have, you mentioned that, the Data Governance Act. We have the Data Act. And all this framework will surely contribute to build trust within the ecosystem. And we have also worked on that point within GAIAX. We have used the concept of labels. And we have defined 62 criteria to build different levels of labels for users of the infrastructure. And uh, we have different labels from one to three. And uh, when you choose this um, level of label, you choose what level of trust you want to achieve. And this is true that uh, you need to be really sure that your data are safe and secure. Okay, from uh, labels from one to three. Yeah. And one is the most trustworthy level or? Three is the most trustworthy level and one is trustworthy, but not so trustworthy as three. <laughs> All right. Uh, when it comes to the level of fidelity instead, um, what do we need from the data? Do we need precise real-time data? in order to prove savings to the customer and support more sales of distributed energy resources, or will high-level estimates suffice? What would you say? Well, uh, I will say that, of course, it depends on use cases and services, because the point is really to share data and to create new services. And as you mentioned, there are a lot of new services that are possible. So the actors, the market, the investors, as you said, also the regulators, the states will decide on which kind of data is needed for each use case. So we think that sometimes we could have some data close to real-time data. In one of the projects, which is called Omega X, there is a use case and flexibility, and they will experiment the use of, of close to real-time data to predict local congestion, and they will activate local flexibilities. Okay. So this, uh, this is uh, still to, we have still to see what is going on on that field, 
but we think that data close to real time could be used. And how far is the Omega X project? Omega X has started one year ago, so it's still a research project, but the use cases will be live, I think, next year. Okay. Going back to the DSOs, could you give an opinion how you see the role of DSOs in the development of the European energy data space? First, I have to say that I'm not myself part of a DSO, so I, I don't want to, to speak for the DSO, but anyhow, I can tell you what, uh, what I think. First, time to say that DSO are already sharing a lot of data, huh? so that's obvious, huh? they will certainly share more. And the big challenge, as you said, for DSO is a massive integration of uh, renewable energies and also the point of uh, electric vehicle charging. And uh, while doing that, uh, they have to maintain a high level of quality of supply and also the best possible cost. Yeah. And this is really a big challenge, big, big challenge. The point is really to to have a high level of interoperability with many players in the value change. And for all of that, that exchange will be essential. There are many use cases uh, that include and will impact data exchange with, uh, for example, TSOs and also with other actors. And uh, this will be necessary for the efficient operation of smart grids or demand response services. And also, DSO are already developing new data services to support the implementation of energy efficiency and sobriety policies, especially, as you know, for local communities and for public authorities. And last but not least, the European Commission supports the construction of digital twins yeah. of TSO and DSO. So, To conclude on that point, I really believe that DSO will become key players in the management of energy data spaces in their sphere of responsibility, of course. But really, DSO have to become implied in this energy data space point. Not to mention that we are also part of GaiaX, or we're members now, so exactly. we're ready to take up this challenge. Exactly, and, uh, and uh, I have to also to add that I'm really happy that uh, EDSO is now a member of GaiaX. Thank you, we're happy too. <laughs> so to come back to the study, which was then not in July 2022, but July 2020, sorry, Uh, you're describing the mission and goals of the European energy data space and the most important components needed to achieve such a data space. Could you summarize here um, the most important points? Yeah, and I, I think the most important point and the point that has really to be understood is that energy data space is not a platform. That means that there is no centralized point where all the European data are gathered. So it's not a big platform, and it means that the idea is not to create at European level a new Microsoft, a new Google, or a new Amazon. On the contrary, the idea is really to exchange data on a decentralized way with a secure, transparent, and really decentralized way. And the point is really not to gather all the data in centralized platforms. Which is also a question of security then? Or? Yeah, exactly, exactly. 
and also the question of the data owners will still be owners of their data. It's not given to a platform. The data users will use the data only if they are allowed to do so. Coming back to this point of usage of personal and non-personal data, mm-hmm. and this will be authorized through technical components that will be able to create trust. This is the whole point. So not give them away, just sharing what needs, what is needed to be shared, so that everybody can profit the right way. Exactly. Exactly. Could you be a bit more precise on the viewpoint of Gaia-X in this context? Yeah, I can be a little bit more precise. I don't know if it's uh, perhaps a little bit too technical, but I try to (laughs) describe (laughs) the points. (laughs) So, uh, as I said, you have rules to portability, to transparency, to personal data, to security, and so on. And this is detailed on a technical level, on a framework called Trust Framework. So this means that the rules are translated from a technical point of view on a framework. And each participant of a data space, before exchanging data, has to sign a self-description describing which data he wants to exchange. Mm-hmm. And this self-description is validated by another entity called a Trust Anchor. So to be, again, a little bit more precise, uh, <laughs> so the participants, they have first to enter a relation with other participants that want also to exchange data. And they have to develop use cases that will bring value to their companies and to the system. So that means that at the beginning, it's not at all something which is technical. The point is really to have different companies that want to work together and know that while exchanges data, it will bring value to the systems. But then, from a technical point of view, they have to define semantics and ontology of their data. They have to define data standard models. They have to write a self-description of their services. And they have to say that it is compliant with a trust framework. And then they built the technical elements needed for the data space itself. So that's what we are doing right now in the different projects. But we need to say that it's not yet done. It's a work in progress. It's really work in progress, but I believe that, well, this is a big work and also very interesting work. If I understand correctly, this is before you share the data. Yeah, the point is... um, Before sharing the data, you have to have to think now for what use case you want to share data because it's not only to share data. You have to know uh, what you want to do, what is the value, who is sharing the value. So you have to have a business model for the for for this, and this is before doing anything technical. So Gaia X is identifying and organizing the European ecosystem to design relevant use cases, as we said, and national and cross-border scales. Based on your experience, which one are the most promising use cases? And do you see these reflected by the Commission's action plan to state it once in the in the action plan, the Commission prioritized three high-level use cases, which are firstly flexibility service, Secondly, smart and bi-directional charging of electric vehicles. 
And the last one is the uptake of smart buildings and renovations. Yeah, and so I can give you some examples of data innovation in electricity generation. Data can make processes and operations more efficient with analytics and automation. You can also, and I already said that, so we can also improve energy efficiency. You can contribute to energy renovation. You can reduce consumers' energy consumption through recommendations. For example, the commission wants to launch an app on that point. Exactly. And uh, we said already that uh, we can help to integrate uh, in electric vehicles in the energy system. We can contribute to uh, grid efficiency. We have this, uh, we like this one, the very high cost smart recharging. This allows power stored in electric vehicles to be pushed back to the grid, and this can enhance grid efficiency, and this can also help the integration of intermittent uh, renewable energy production in the electricity system. So we all know this is a big challenge. You have big risks on the networks, and then you have also big opportunities. So everything is still to invent, that's for sure. Data will be key for that. So you agree with the Commission's priority on uh, smart charging, I see. Yeah, exactly. I think it's really a priority, and we need to, to go on on that point. What about pitfalls? What are the biggest pitfalls you could foresee when building the energy data space, the European energy data space? Yes, yeah. Alors, first, uh, so this notion of data space is not new. It has been in the research field since, uh, I would say, somehow 10 years. It's not new for the people that are working on the research field. No, 10 uh, years is a while. <laughs> yeah. So, so we have uh, big European projects, but still on the research field. And the point is now that this is uh, coming to life and it's now coming operationally. So nobody can say what will be the future, but we can try to foresee what will be the main factors of success and the main pitfalls. So I will try to say that with my really humble voice. So... <laughs> I'm not sure at all that uh, that uh, my voice uh, will be the right one, but I'll try to say to say what is my uh, my point of view. So I have uh, four points, more or less. The first point is that we need to have value in all parts of the value chain. This means that there is value that needs to be on the technical suppliers, of course, but also in all parts of the value chain for the energy system. If there is no value, there is no data exchange, and there is no energy data space. Second point is, again, that we need to exchange data on a trusted manner. There is a need of trust and sovereignty, because if there is no trust, there is no exchange of data. The third, third point is on the regulations. We need to have, I will say, friendly regulation. We have already, thanks to the European Commission, a very good regulation. But we need to take into account that digital is an ever-evolving sector. So we need to keep a flexible and innovation-friendly regulatory framework. 
And the fourth point uh, is to define a building block and to know what building blocks will be defined by the, by the market and why building blocks will be defined by the public authorities. So uh, building blocks are part of the technical blocks and part of the necessary framework. So we have those four points. I think that we can say that uh, if we go and we deal with these four points, it will be a success. Coming more to the policy side on how to complete the existing legislative framework and how to appropriately enable stakeholders such as our members, the DSOs, to effectively implement a European data strategy and create a well-functioning European data space. Which recommendations do you have? Yeah, first I will say that, that they are really ambitious. The action plan, which was launched, as you said, in October 2022, is really a good plan, an ambitious plan, but we need that. It is a good plan because it gives the real opportunity to reach the objective of carbon neutrality on the long term. And, and you know that we really need that carbon neutrality. The regulation shall embark all actors of the ecosystem, not only SMEs or tech companies, but all players that want to play their part. So the point really, I think, is to bring on the table all players so DSO, large companies, energy suppliers, academics, innovation, SME, and so on, to have all those players. That's, uh, I think that's key, and not only uh, some few players. Okay, so last question is to, to ask you to give us an outlook for the next 10 years. You said data space has already been researched for 10 years, so from now, 2023 to 2030, What do you think will happen or what should happen? Where do you hope we will be in 10 years? So there is a big ambition, in fact. The ambition is to provide an ecosystem for the development of use cases at European scale to foster the energy transition and to reach carbon neutrality. And uh, this is really ambitious. As I'm working for EDF for us, Carbon neutrality is uh, with two pillars, huh? nuclear on one hand, renewables on the other hand, and with no more uh, fossil energies. And uh, well, we have to go to this energy transition. And we have and the ambition to share data again huh? in a trusted, secure and sovereign way. And the ambition is to reach a significant size and to become a reference to the industry. I'm quite optimistic, I can say, because I see, I see what is going on. I see the, the work that is being done. The companies want to work. I see that we have a lot of uh, European players. I'm not sure it will uh, be successful, of course. <laughs> But uh, when I, I see all those companies and I see that everybody is wanting to go in that direction, I'm really optimistic. This year and uh, next year, we will have big demonstrations. So we'll see if it comes uh, really to operational life. Uh, we'll see also what will be the action plan of the Commission and so on. 
But uh, the point is really that all companies have to go together. And as everybody knows, as energy is at top of the priorities huh, mm. of European citizens, European companies, and also European Commission, I'm quite optimistic that at the end, we will uh, uh, try and we will be uh, successful. And with many DSOs. <laughs> and I mean, as well. Gaia X was founded 2020, and now you already have over 300 members, you said. So yeah. in a really short time, this initiative grew intensely. So that illustrates a bit what you say, all the interest from all the different parties. So and as collaboration is important, this is a good sign. Okay, Martin, thank you very much. And uh, thank you also to our audience. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify and Apple. So bye-bye. 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 <laughs>